This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In 2023, Kansas City International Airport is going to open a new terminal. That's not the only place where flights used to come in and out of Kansas City. Who knew that back, I don't know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, there was an airport right at 135th and State Line where you could learn to be a pilot. Aviation history is huge here in Kansas City, and here's another look at how the airport and the airline industry shaped our town. I'm going to be honest, Diane, when when you said we're going to talk about this airport that could have been out south and said 135th and State Line, I'm like, I know exactly where that is. I've been down that way a thousand times in my life. But I'm like, where exactly is this? I don't know where you're talking about. So 135th to 133rd and State Line, there used to be an airport out there. And I'll tell you what, man, this is one of the coolest stories we're going to talk about. Yeah, it, it, it's nuts to think that there was an airport in something that predated suburbia in South Kansas City. And the fact that part of the land, which is the coolest thing ever, for those of you who do venture out south at 135th, it's on the, it's in Leewood. So it's on the west side of the street, um, state line borders, you know, the land. And then it went, ran from 135th just past what is now 133rd. So 133rd actually cuts through where the runway was um, and is. And so, you know, people that, you know, live out in the area are, a lot of people are aware, like growing up, I always was told as we drove by that location growing up in South Kansas City myself, like that's where the state line airport was. I was like, really? And then you could see for years. And I mean, since I was a little kid, I can remember that field was always planted with soybeans, but soybeans would never grow in this one spot. And it's because you can still see, you know, part of the runway. And what people would probably think if you noticed it was, oh, yeah, like you, we were talking about like, oh, maybe it was an old a subdivision that never came to fruition, or maybe it was a road that, you know, didn't get finished, or maybe it's an old driveway. No, it's a runway. Like people landed planes in South Kansas City, right there at 135th and state line up until 1982, which is crazy. Well, it is. And then obviously they started to build Leewood South and everybody says, we don't yeah. want an airport. We don't want an airport <laughs> out here to, to ruin this. But it was never going to be like a quote unquote replacement for KCI or, oh, no. or even even the downtown airport because the space just isn't big enough. But, you know, with the new terminal opening here relatively yeah. soon, it, it kind of got you thinking about what could have been. And when, when I read your article about this airport and saw some of the pictures, the wheels started spinning in my mind going, man, that would have been really a great spot, though, for yeah. Kansas City International Airport, based on the way that the population has kind of grown grown south and not uh-huh. grown north, 
But the flip side is, would the population have grown south if there was right. an airport in the middle of everything, you know? And, and Yeah. And that was always an early controversy with airports. And, you know, like growing up, my dad, you know, was a pilot, for those of you that don't know. My dad was a commercial airline pilot. He actually flew also for the Air National Guard. So I grew up kind of, you know, my dad went to the Gulf War. Um, but my dad, he learned to fly from Fair, at Fairfax Airport, which is the oldest, if you will, from, you know, in the area. And, but when his buddy's dad moved his plane for, you know, when he moved south, he moved his plane to the state line, what's really called the state line air park, but we always, I always knew it as the airport. Um, when he moved his plane out there, my dad's like, yeah, I used to fly out there. And I can imagine my dad, when he decided to build a house in 1971 in the middle of nowhere, 122nd state line, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) but that was like building in Raymore now. (laughs) Like, why would you do that? You know? But my whole family lived that kind of migrated from Brookside area to the like Leewood and that South Kansas City area, Leewood South, like you said. And so my dad, I'm, I'm sure, would have loved the commute. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, we kind of were used to Richard's Gebauer also with with planes. Mm-hmm. But I can't. And so airspace would have been a little bit of an issue, maybe South. But, you know, when you look at the history of airports in and of itself and how how there weren't a lot of private airports. And after people returned from World War II, a lot of them were experienced pilots at that point. And then they wanted to take up that hobby. And, you know, you could get a, you could get yourself a pretty light aircraft in in the 1930s and 40s for like $500. (laughs) Well, yeah, let's talk about what kind of planes we're using this back then, because obviously, you know, I I hate to say it, but more and more people are going the private jet route now. And people are kind of done with the commercial airlines. And if you're in that tax bracket and you can afford it, a lot (laughs) of people are utilizing that kind of service. But what were they flying in 1930 and 1940 that you needed an airport out by 135th and state line where people just like having fun and going up for, for, for shoots and giggles. Yeah, basically you're right. Yes. And in the requirements, there was no, there's no real FAA at the time. So the requirements of flying were really pretty loose early on, but what, you know, what spawned the growth in Kansas city of airport traffic was of course, world war two. So they, that, that was what establishes Fairfax as being a bigger airport. And then we had like aircraft, the, you know, the bombers out here and things like that. Um, but the when commercial flying became a thing, that really limited the space of somebody who had a small aircraft because you can't <laughs> municipal airport was dangerous. So for you, I mean, think about the location alone. Yeah. So if you're flying commercial aircraft, TWA's headquarters down there into that airport, and then you're also, you know, got like a single engine prop plane, it's not safe. So the the whole Kansas City was not a good place to to learn to be a a pilot post-World War II. And that's when the real draw, and it started in the 20s. I should say World War I is when it started. Um, and World War I, there's no, after World War I, there's no place to, there's no planes here. You got to get, you know, you got the, the Wright brothers and then you got Lynn, you know, of course you got uh, Charles Lindbergh, but Kansas City needed a place for an airport. And we knew that starting about 1919 and they were landing planes in Swope Park because they had no place to go. And you can't get served. You can't get fill up gas at, you know, Swope Park and you couldn't, you know, get your aircraft serviced at, at, at Swope Park. So there was a call for an airport and for land. And the first airport is right in my backyard because I live in Waldo. Mm-hmm. And the first airport that air, I, I'm going to air quote that word, but flat landing space <laughs> that was offered was 80 acres where Center High School is today. 
it was the Kellerstrasse farm. And he was he was a a poultry farmer. He would be making a killing a day with the price of eggs. Well, with the price of (laughs) eggs, my God, even if he just had eggs, he'd be making a killing. Yeah, I know. But he so he donated this land and that became the first really landing strip. And then they started in the 40s. There was a guy out of St. Louis, Oliver Parks, who, who was kind of an aviation master. Really cool story about him. But he he's this guy who who knows how he said he starts the first flying school, the first aeronautical institute that was actually like approved by the government. And it's now part of St. Louis University. Um, he donated it to the Jesuits. Thanks uh, to thank him for saving his life after he crashed a plane and in mm-hmm. uh, in Florissant, Missouri. So in the 1940s, the Kansas City's like, come on over, see what we can do over here with the airports. And he's like, this place is a dump. <laughs> like, There's no airport. And so he's like, you guys got to do something. And so they started looking for places to put an airport. And I love these different locations. 110th and Warnell. I would, I, I would like that. Oh, yeah, um, 75th and State Line where there wasn't a golf course there originally. Isn't 110th before. and Warnell though pretty much like on top of a hill? I mean, yeah, like, but, it, you know, it's not like exactly flat at 110th and Warnell. But but early aviation, you'd want to be high, higher than than the surrounding air. It was easier to land. That's the Kellerstroff was on one of the highest points in the territory. So that, you know, because you're you're flying with your eyes, right. not with instruments. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Um, so in any case, uh, he they look at 75th and state line, 60, uh, like 63rd in the Paseo. And he said, this is the poorest city in the nation for a private flyer. So that, of course, Kansas City doesn't put up with stuff from St. Louis people. Right. So, of course, we get dedicated to trying to figure this out. And so about that time, there's aircrafts in Kansas City. 300 aircrafts were post-World War II were stationed in Kansas City. So there's commercial flying and military still happening. But there was very few houses at this time south of 85th Street. That was the country. This is Washington Township. And on the on the Kansas side, this would be Oxford Township. And so there's, you know, they're farms. They're generational farmers. They've been in the area for generations. And these two guys, and I love it because their names are great, Merle and Leroy. I'm like, good old boys. I like it. If they Merle were... and Leroy don't scream like Midwestern old men, <laughs> I really don't know what does. I mean, that is that is up there when it comes to names. Yeah, Leroy's first name was actually Alva, but he went by Leroy. I get it. So really cool guys. Both of them kind of got a love for flying in the early aviation days. And they're from a small town in Kansas. Merle was born in 1905 and Leroy was born. um, He was actually uh, born in, in 1915. And these guys, the Merle, the older brother, he actually was his younger brother started a flying school in Topeka. And so his brother actually taught him to fly at this flying school. And then he and Merle went off to World War Two in you know, was a pilot in the Navy. Um, and then his brother went and flew, started flying for TWA in 1939. It's like hard to imagine there were, I don't know if I'd want to board an aircraft from 1939, but that commercial flying, I mean, it had begun. What and, was commercial flying like though in 1939? Was that just the rich of the rich? I would imagine like the paupers like you and I couldn't afford to fly back then. <laughs> I still Early can't. Afford, yeah. I was going to say we yeah. can't afford to fly now. Now that I don't have my free passes with my dad, my dad being a commercial airline pilot, I'm really screwed. Wait, that didn't uh, carry over after retirement? That, that wasn't part no. of the benefit? 
Well, yeah, yeah, we flew for free. Um, no, what I'm saying now that he's retired. Oh, now, no, I mean it does. No, it, his carries over, and he gets what are called buddy passes or flying on the. But you know, they overbook flights now. You can't get on. It is not worth the hassle anymore to fly. We called it non-rev, non-revenue flying. Um, and I, I used to love it because I mean, lots of stories from my teenage years and in early twenties of flying all over the place, but yeah, the, the way that the commercial airline industry, we know if you, you remember catch me with, you can the movie, um, the, the romanticism of every, you know, men were like, Ooh, I want to be a pilot. And they only hired these attractive women and everybody dressed up to fly. And that really starts in the late forties into the fifties. So early flying was not, you know, I mean, yes, it would have been very expensive compared to today's standards, but these guys, yeah. So in 1939, Leroy starts flying for TWA and then, you know, so he's abandoned his, obviously his college or his aviation school. And then the brothers look to the South and they said, I want to, we should open a, you know, an airport, an airport. There's a need. There was a need. There weren't private airports at the time. Um, and so, you know, in municipal, like I said before, was dangerous. Fairfax was far away. They wanted something that would have clear airspace. And I love this. They're like, there's nothing out there. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing. And so they selected the site because they thought it would, it was a far enough away from the congestion of the city. Um, making flying safer. And then also because it was close enough to be convenient. And so, you know, state line at the time is a two lane road, dirt. I mean, really not even paved. 135th street would be, was called the Martin city Olathe road. So that would have been the road that would have gone straight to Olathe at the time. And then everything else doesn't really exist. There's not really streets besides that. So, so Merle and Leroy opened their airport in 1943 out in or excuse me 1946 but still like right after world war ii and prior to that the land was a cornfield and a cherry orchard and so they actually had it's pretty flat and and i would like it's real flat out there yeah yeah but you know if you've noticed and you notice it if you go downtown kansas city kansas city is very hilly sure We we are the rolling area you don't get out people think of kansas as being flat it doesn't get flat till you get out there when you know the drive to denver gets boring you know what i mean i I don't think it really gets flat out here until you're at least an hour west of the manhattan salina type area yeah you start hitting the hills when you get to the 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 flatland or the whole uh prairie out there it is absolutely it is but so there's a misconception that this area is super flat it's not i mean think about kansas city being carved out by the bluff you know the bluffs Mm -hmm. it's hilly out in washington township and that's next door to oxford township and so this land was pretty, pretty flat. And so they thought, well, this is perfect. So that, but they had to grade it. I've got a picture of the grading that they had done. They, they had to grade the land and try to make it as flat as possible for safety of the aircraft. And then they had this little one room white structure with state line air park at the top. Um, their call was three KC. That was their call. So that, you know, on radio. Um, and they, they opened this up and it becomes with two planes. They start with two planes owned by them and they weren't really doing like air school there because they couldn't get anybody to go out there. And so they'd have to hire a co-pilot on his his days off to come out and, you know, teach school, but slowly and surely they developed into a very big, you know, program where they had over 130 small planes stored at the state line air park right there in a cornfield today that, and you could still see the runway. 
Um, it's unbelievable. They, they, they really did. Uh, they even started selling and buying airplanes. They called themselves the finest and only air park in Kansas city, which they were, there was no competition. Um, you could learn. I like that you could for 15 minutes, you could take a $2 flight. <laughs> so you could go $2 up in the air for two people, you know, go around in the countryside and come back down. But if you'd never been in a, you know, in a plane before that would be unbelievable mm-hmm. during the floods 1951 floods they they actually sold tour trips to be go over like you would do a helicopter trip over the plaza today i it's crazy to think that there was this big this big air quote big airport in like where 500,000 houses or $500,000 houses are now. It's unbelievable. So why didn't they consider expanding that, making it bigger, and then turning that into the international airport? I understand there was probably some guy that had land like Cookingham or whatever the name of the roads are up there that probably had some land and and whatnot, and that's ultimately why they did that. But did they really think like they were, were building it up there to be convenient, or did they do it because they had the land? Because the city, it's I mean, it's 2023, and we're just now starting to get like – people living up that direction. Was that a mistake on, on behalf of the uh, of the city to not go south with the airport and turn that air park into something bigger like the international airport? Um, I don't, well, one land would have been a problem because they, they, I should have mentioned earlier that the, the land, there's 65 acres that is not big enough for a commercial lake. I mean, it's just not, you also have Richard's Gebauer that was then developed into at the same time period, which started as Richard's field. Um, so you already have an airport that would have had large traffic source out that way. And part of the reason that MCI or KCI uh, was selected for its site was because it was, they could grow out and they, it, you know, people don't want the planes in the neighborhood, you know, and that's part of the reason that, you know, in the fifties, they were the most successful, you know, this airport, there was one other airport off highway 40 that was called the 31st street airport. Like, original so i mean state line airport's not really original either i guess but right uh but anyway they they you they were still selling at this point they have a big school they're they're training over basically 100 pilots a year um private for the most part pilots out there my dad you know got hit my dad got his pilot's license uh, when he was 18 scary um when he was 18 and between his senior year and his freshman year of college um, and he would do touch and goes and go out there and circle around. And this would have been the late sixties. So by the time, like when, when Merle, cause Merle was really running the operation and Leroy was like side guy because he had a full-time job as an airline pilot. Um, so they, they would basically said that it was a 65 to $75 investment to learn to fly. And you needed a min- minimum of 40 hours. Part of the reason, this is the big reason that that probably didn't happen for Merle and Leroy. Number one, FAA comes around. It becomes ex- exceedingly difficult to meet guidelines of, you know, the Federal Avi- Aviation Administration. Um, it, they weren't around and established until the, I think, early 60s. So that would be a, a hurdle, one. Two, um, the city was moving south. And so at the point when they are kind of they're at the height of the market the early 60s they're still doing great great business there was a couple accidents but nothing major but they they would they were really uh fighting time because the first development that really hits the South Kansas City area is Redbridge 
So they built Redbridge Shopping Center before they really built Redbridge Subdivision. And that's going to be not too far away. Um, And then slowly but surely that, you know, uh, Ray Klatmeyer, the Klatmeyer family uh, was owned the land just on the other side of the state line. They'd been there for generations um, and they sold off their land to build Blue Hills Country Club and then Blue Hills Subdivision and Klatmeyer Estates. Um, all of that's happening in the early 60s. Nothing's being built yet, but the plans are underway. And so you have to look from a, a strategic point, um, enticement. People are going to want to buy that land for commercial or residential use. And, you know, money talks. And I think that's kind of what happened toward the end there is in 1963, um, the brothers, they, they at this point own the 65 acres, were given $500,000 for the land. What would you do? That's a lot of money back in nineteen. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's inevitable. And the and the people that, it, you know, they, it, at this point, the air, the air park is in like awesome shape. They've got hangars. They've got, I mean, a, a solid operation, you know, and people would go out to, the, you know, like take a trip out to the country, park their cars on Sundays and watch airplanes take off. I mean, this was a thing. And so it, it became kind of one of those things that, it was a race of the clock. Do you hold onto the land and hope you get more later? Or are you already, are people worried because you're, you're an airport? Also, Olathe executive was being built. So you have kind of a, uh, I, I guess a kind of a conundrum here. Um, Lee would, didn't have all the restrictions they have today. I'm sure. Well, yeah. So, you, you, you can't yeah. even walk in Leewood without having a restriction these I, days, I, right? Pretty, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure they weren't going to grandfather them in, you know? Right. Right. So, so I think what ends up happening in 63 is that, you know, uh, Merle was tired, he, you know, of this daily operation, you know, and at one time they had seven full-time employees. This is not a small, they're fixing airplanes, they're selling fuel. They're, I mean, they're doing it all. So I think that it was, it he he was tired and somebody comes in $500,000, you know, I, I can see why they did it. But part of the arrangement was this group of 17 investors of these guys that came to buy the land, they did not have intentions to build it up yet because again, so, the, nothing's really happened yet. So they're like, we're going to hold on to it for like five years. And they had somebody who was willing to, with experience as a pilot, uh, that wanted to to run it, lease the land, and continue State Line Air Park. So that's so sixty three is when the boys, you know, the brothers step away, and actually uh, the. Uh, Merle ends up going out to serve as the uh, Jackson, Johnson County Airport Commission. He worked as the director of aviation for 14 years. So he kind of gets attached to the Olathe shenanigans out there. And then his brother, you know, Leroy retires, retires from flying from TWA in 1975. My dad at this point still doesn't have his airline job. <laughs> like my dad still is looking for a job at this point. Cause at that point there was a shortage of, or, the the airlines were saturated. You couldn't get a job. My right. it took my dad many years. So anyway, so so it, it became one of those things. Like, what do you what do you do then? So the airport, they had a one the main runway that was north south, which you can still see part of. They had that main runway, and it started to slowly decline. And I asked uh, Leroy's daughter, like, you know, how did that happen? Because my dad remembers flying, and when I said. Dad, tell describe to me what this airport was like. And he was like, it was a hokey airport. And I was like, so what are you saying? He's like, it was pretty messy out there. So one of the things my dad said is that like the runway was like 
half gravel, like 20% gravel, and then like sort of paved. It wow. wasn't, it was like one car wide. Wow. <laughs> Landing a plane there. Like he, there, he goes, there was this hedgerow of, of trees that really hurt your approach. So you had to like push up and then drop. And my dad's like, that's not an obstacle that's fun to do. And actually, um, I, I, when I talked to Leroy's daughter, she's her dad talked, she remembers that she's like, yeah, this hedgerow. Well, it was an old hedgerow of trees that separated two plots of land. So it'd been there forever. It's still there, by the way, at 130, you can see it. It's right on the edge of, um, from like the, the state line road and where Leewood South starts. That's the line of hedges. You can still see it. And I, now, of course, I look at that and go, my dad might have hit that sometime, but it, he didn't. But it was a it was a hindrance. So the airport slowly declined. And from my understanding, from talking to Leroy's daughter, Jill, um, it really broke his heart to see that happen. It was like they worked so hard for so many 18 years mm-hmm. building up this airport and then it just slowly declined. So the money wasn't invested in it. The guys that bought it thought they'd wait like five years to develop it. <laughs> They're like, we'll sell it in like five years. Well, they did sell off part of it in that was, you know, and that's what, where I always called bogeys was it's kind of a, a little shopping center there, but the rest of it still is undeveloped. So 40 plus acres are still 45 acres out of the 65 are just sitting there. And which blows my mind. It's like the curse of the land. Like well, it's I, I was, still I was gonna, an airport. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, like, when, when you go by that land, you don't really notice what's there because you're driving or whatever. Right. You're just not paying attention. But now that we've talked about this and I've got on Google Maps and looked and saw <laughs> yeah. what this thing is all about. I look at it now and I look at that plot of land and I think, God, it has to be one of the top five most valuable underdeveloped right. plots of land in all of the Kansas city metropolitan area, isn't it? Right. Well, Will and, it and, ever be developed or is there some curse well, of like, is there oil or something there that they don't want to that develop? Is something you are bringing up something my dad brought up. Um, my dad brought up, he goes, I always was under the impression that part of the reason the land never developed because they sliced that land in half at 133rd and they built the road through there. So we have 133rd to 135th that is still undeveloped, mm-hmm. almost a mission. Yeah, and so I mean, it's a big. It's forty-five acres is a lot of land. So, um, especially dad, in the middle of a of what is now a growing city and a growing right. part of town, like that's yeah. just sitting there. Like, what's wrong across with this land? Across from Walmart, across yeah. from Chip. I mean, it's like right in the middle of the heart of uh, and a desirous of- location too. Great school districts. Obviously, yeah. it's Leewood. You know, the whole nine yards. Well, um, my dad's speculation, and I don't know if he heard this, and and I can't confirm nor deny. I don't know. Um, was that maybe because it did have, you know, mechanic, maybe there is a problem with oil or some type of re- refuge on the land. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I think it is odd. Maybe it was overpriced. We don't know. Um, I don't know what it went. It's actually, I believe, was sold recently. And now there's a controversy in Leewood because, I mean, now you're going to take oh, the, you, you just said the controversy in Leewood, so, I mean. <laughs> they don't want to get rid of their soybeans in leeward god forbid but if you, you can know, grow crop on that land why can't you develop I, that's that it land? Said, I, I, exactly i don't know and i i think that and and you've got and there was an old farm behind it that had like 
you know, cows and stuff. And they chased those people off finally because it was an old farm and, you know, they were doing their thing and it was kind of, you know, didn't fit with Leewood's uh, standards, if you will. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, and it's been, it's been leveled. And I think there's something going or, you know, houses are going to probably go up there, but it's a, it's, it's zone commercial. And so I thought I was like, I'm just waiting for the day. It's an apartment complex or a mixed use space. Or, I mean, like we need more apartment complexes. We need a whole, like unaffordable complexes yeah, that right. live in. Um, Here's a but, new apartment complex, $17,000 a month for a one bedroom, right? Like yeah. we don't need any more of that. I know. So uh, it's, I, I've heard basically through the grapevine that it, they, it has been sold and now there's going to be a big push of, we don't want what they want to build type of thing. I think it's supposed to be like a mixed use space, but you know, I, I drive by there and I always look cause I know it's there. You know, the runway's there. So it's like, I'm always like, oh, can I see through? Oh, it's the wrong time of year. Like right now is a great time. You can see it. But when crops are growing, it's actually easier to see because you can see how it just kind of, cur- you know, curls in. And, you know, I know I'm not the only person that lives in South Kansas City, especially with the airport and all this great stuff happening to our city that looks at that. And I know that Jill, Leroy's daughter, you know, every time she drives by there and me too goes kind of smiles and puts a smile on their face. And I hope it always stays just like it is. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 